whether their periods are, you know, two weeks long or their periods only come once every two months or whatever that looks like for them. If they're not on a regular cycle, that is one of the first things that their doctor recommends um, to get on birth control to quote unquote regulate your cycle when that is the farthest thing from the truth. You're listening to the Well Woman Podcast. I'm your host, Gemma Lee, women's menstrual cycle educator, natural fertility coach, and daytime mermaid. This is a place where we discuss all things periods, poo, ovulation, fertility, and sex. Join me weekly as we rediscover our menstrual cycles, unlock its superpowers, and guide you back into your cyclical nature. You're listening to episode 185 of the Well Woman podcast. Thank you for being here and tuning in to learn a little bit more about your body and your cycle. This episode is all about birth control and what the doctor never told you. Today on the show, I'm joined by Kelsey Anderson, and she is a functional nutritional therapy practitioner. Now, Kelsey specializes in supporting and restoring the way women approach health, healing, and hormone balance. She also supports clients in achieving optimal gut health and hormone balance through a holistic and foundational approach. Throughout this episode with Kelsey, you're going to have a few laughs because we have a few laughs together. And we're talking all about different methods of birth control, the effectiveness of birth control at preventing pregnancy. And then we dive deep into what birth control actually does to the body, what imbalances birth control can cause in the body, what most doctors won't tell you about birth control. Kelsey also shares her amazing pillars of birth control support. So how you can support yourself if you're on birth control or if you're planning on coming off birth control, along with when should I actually come off birth control? Like when should I do that? So we chat about that too. And of course, we wrap it up with five tips for coming off birth control. Kelsey, welcome to the Well Woman podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I can't wait to dive into this topic with you. Um, But before we do, tell us what day of your cycle are you on and how are you checking in in this moment? How are you feeling today? So I am actually pregnant. um, So a little different than the average cycle, um, but I'm feeling great. I'm see 27 weeks. So I'm in the second trimester kind of honeymoon phase. They call it this little, this will be our first. um, So it's my first pregnancy, but yeah, I'm feeling awesome. Um, I'm just loving every bit of it right now. Oh, beautiful. And I love that it's your first. How has your pregnancy been so far for you? It's really been smooth. Um, and again, it is my first, so it's hard for me to compare it to anything else. And I know everybody's pregnancy is so different, but first trimester, I definitely had a little bit of the nausea on and off kind of the whole time. It, it wasn't strictly in the mornings, which was a common misconception that I was believing up until that point. Um, <laughs> But I never got to the point where I was actually throwing up or, or any of that and didn't really experience much fatigue. It was really just that nausea to work through. But overall, I mean, I truly have felt wonderful and I feel very grateful that I'm able to support my body. And I think just even leading up to the pregnancy for the past you know, few years, I've really been intentional about doing so with certain foods and just nutrients and different things like that. So I do think that I would like to believe that that plays a very big, um, role in the, the health of the pregnancy too. So feeling great so far. Amazing. I'd like to believe that that plays a really big role in pregnancy as well. Yes. <laughs> so you're not alone there. I'm like, pretty sure that does definitely like preconception care. Like I talk a lot about this with clients. It's not just the two months before you conceive preconception care can be years before you actually conceive. So, um, yeah, I love that. I love, I love that. So thank you for sharing. Yeah. Um, so we're talking about birth control today and I'm really looking forward to this topic because I feel like it's very misunderstood, but before we jump into it, I think it's a wonderful time for you to share a little bit about who you are and how did you get into functional nutrition therapy and why are you a great person to speak to about birth control? Yeah. So I, um, to backtrack several years, I mean, I always grew up an athlete in high school and college. So I was always very active kind of interested in nutrition in a sense. Um, but I went through college and was, and ended up working in children's hospital, doing something kind of completely different, um, for a couple of years. And I just kind of got to the point where 
I wasn't feeling fulfilled. I was feeling a little burnt out. And I started to actually do beach body coaching part-time. I was like, okay, I'll just dabble in this a little bit. It's something outside of work that I can try. Um, and I loved the aspect of, you know, having that community with, with women and, you know, having that accountability and having certain workouts to do and different things like that. But the more that I was reading up on the nutrition piece of Beachbody, I was like, this just doesn't sit right with me. Like, I feel like it's pretty restrictive. There are definitely some guidelines that I don't feel comfortable even, I mean, for myself implementing, but then like recommending to my, you know, quote unquote clients or whoever, whatever you call them, friends, um, and family your, and friends and family people around you. Yes. Yeah. So I, um, then I, one of our friends was actually, she, um, she was an NTP and I was just following her for a while and loved everything that she was putting out there. And you know, what, what she was working with, with clients, I was just like, that sounds, it just sounds right. And it feels so much better and more aligned with my just natural approach of kind of what I feel like is appropriate for health. So long story short, I just kind of dug into the NTP program and took the jump and decided to enroll. And truthfully, it's just been so perfect ever since I have loved every bit of my job being an NTP. And I feel like it's just such a honor to be able to work with so many women in so many different areas too, across the country, um, to help them understand their bodies a little bit better and just learn how to support their bodies through a whole food approach, I think is really, really neat and very empowering for, for women. So, um, when I graduated from the NTP program, I truthfully didn't know which route I wanted to go. They always say you you need to niche down. And I was just like, I don't know. I'm not sure where I want to go with this yet. Um, at first I was thinking that I was going to go more of the gut health specific route. That was really interesting to me at the time. So I really just started taking on a bunch of different clients with different symptoms and was just kind of throwing myself to the wolves and getting as much experience as I could kind of in different areas. Um, And then come about a year and a half, two years ago, maybe I just started to notice with my one-on-one clients that were on birth control, how many symptoms they had. And I mean, going through the NTP program, you learn really, really in depth how the body works and how the different organs and organ systems work together. And then learning how birth control can impact all those symptoms. I'm like, this is not this isn't a coincidence. Um, there's, there's something going on. So I just became a little bit more focused on kind of the hormonal aspect and, and birth control in general with supporting clients and started talking about it a little bit more on my Instagram and just the different platforms that I had. And I just noticed this massive influx of women just reaching out and like, what are you talking about? I had no idea. My you know, my doctor has never had this conversation with me. I can relate to all of these symptoms so much. I feel like I'm, I've been in the dark for 10 plus years and it just kind of turned on this light bulb for me. Like this is an area that we need to talk about more. Um, and it truly was just, again, that influx of, of people being interested in it where I was like, okay, this is where I'm going to, to narrow in on my energy and just really focus on this in my practice to help women, support their bodies and whether they're choosing to stay on birth control or want to transition off, I want them to do that in a safe way where their body and their foundations are going to be supported. So, you know, that transition looks a lot smoother. So again, long story short, that's just kind of how I got to, um, the birth control world and intertwined with my NTP practice. Mm, I love that. And I find it so interesting because gut health kind of links really closely with birth control, as you would know, yes. um, and with the menstrual cycle and overall health, gut is like the life of everything. Um, but I think it's so interesting about how when you got into the industry and then you were like, oh my God, I'm noticing so many people have questions about this birth control thing and they have similar experiences. And I think that's the same all over the world. I know for me, when I was on the contraceptive pill, I was on the pill for 12 years straight without a break. And I always 
you know, something just never felt really right to take a break, like to stop it for like, say, two months and then get back on it. So I just stayed on it. I was always asking my doctor, do you think this is like, right? Like I'm not even sexually active really right now. I'm not dating. I'm a single woman. I'm, you know, do I really need this? He's like, just stay on it, you know? And I never had really bad cycle signs anyway, but it's just interesting I guess the lack of education and the information. And this is why I think it's so fantastic that what you do, because you're bringing this information and education to light. So thank you for that. But let's talk about the effectiveness of birth control before we talk about what it does and how it you know, can impact the body. But how does it actually prevent pregnancy? Because a lot of people, this I find, and I'd love to hear your outlook, they either go on birth control to prevent pregnancy so they're trying to avoid pregnancy and conception or they go on birth control because they've got cycle signs and they think that the birth control option or they've been told the birth control option is the best way to support those cycle signs like extremely heavy bleeding endometriosis etc so how effective is the birth control at preventing pregnancy yeah and that's a wonderful question and i'm glad you brought that up to kind of to distinguish that It is pretty split, I would say, for the amount of women that go on birth control to solely prevent pregnancy. And then the other half of women are trying to, you know, address or put a bandaid over certain symptoms um, rather than kind of getting to that root cause, which is a whole, whole other conversation in that sense. But there are a lot of women that aren't on birth control to prevent pregnancy. They're just trying to do something to find some relief in whether it's the heavy bleeding or the cramps or, you know, whatever symptom that it may be. So I really like that perspective and just that you, that you did bring that up. Um, but as far as just the effectiveness, I mean, it really depends on the type of birth control that you are on. So, um, obviously there's hormonal types of birth control where you're getting a combination of both estrogen and progesterone. So, or the synthetic forms of them. Um, and these are going to essentially cut off all communication from your brain to your ovaries. So all of your natural estrogen and progesterone, those are going to be suppressed. So this is completely stopping ovulation. Therefore, um, that is how it's effective in preventing pregnancy. If you don't ovulate, you can't get pregnant. Um, other types of birth control, as far as like the hormonal IUD, where you're just getting, um, synthetic progestin that is women can still sometimes ovulate on it. Again, it depends on the dosage and, and what you're working with there, but with those types, um, they make it much harder for the sperm to get to the egg due to the changes that it causes with, um, our cervical mucus. So our cervical mucus plays an very important role in conception. So if we're not producing enough cervical mucus or it's not at the pH that, you know, we want it to be that sperm cannot survive. So a lot of the progestin only types of birth control are going to kind of create that non-ideal environment for that. Um, and it can also just, you know, thicken a lot of the, um, what I'm looking for uterine lining. So it just, it just makes the whole process of conception a lot harder. So, so, um, they are very effective. Um, the different types of birth control that you're on. I'm, oh, I forgot the copper IUD as well. So copper, IUD. so many, there is so so, many. (laughs) Yes. This is very common because it's non-hormonal. So this is an attractive option to a lot of people, which I totally understand because, you know, you can still ovulate while being on the copper IUD, but the way that that is effective is that copper coil that's wrapped around it stimulates kind of an inflammatory reaction that then prevents the egg from fertilizing and really just kind of puts a halt to the sperm swimming about as it pleases. So again, just making that unlivable environment, um, for the sperm and the egg and everything that is needed for optimal conception to happen. So, um, those are kind of the main, I would say, overarching methods of birth control that most people are on and how they are effective in doing so. Mm, And I think too, even what you're mentioning about how some women may ovulate on the IUD and some women may not, is that it really depends on the person too. I think Mm -hmm. it also depends on their health and their lifestyle and there's so many contributing factors to effectiveness of pregnancy. And I think one of the things that a lot of people forget about is that 
your fertility and health of fertility and availability of conceiving isn't just relied on a pill or an IUD or a device. It's really dependent on your overall health. So if you're, if you live a very unhealthy lifestyle where you have unhealthy habits that contribute to fertility and you're using birth control, well, maybe your ability to conceive is so much lower than someone who's very healthy, but also uses birth control. Would you agree? Or do you have a different outlook on that? No, I would definitely agree. And I think, like I said, I, there is some, um, or it just kind of depends on the dosage that they're getting of certain hormones. But absolutely, like you said, if there's so many lifestyle factors and just dietary factors that come into play when it, when it comes to fertility. And I think that that is a huge, um, a huge area to look at for certain women that are and aren't ovulating while on birth control. And then obviously once coming off, it looks so different for everybody as far as how quickly they can get their natural period back and how quickly they're actually able to ovulate after coming off of birth control. But I think you hit it right on the head there. There are so many natural ways and just lifestyle factors that play into this that I they hope more women are becoming aware of just because they do play a very large role in fertility and just your ability to conceive. Mm, totally. I know for me, I, after coming off the contraceptive pill for 12 years, I didn't have a period for a while. And then I got, then I found out I had PCOS, but I was like 16. So anyway, like long, yeah. like you just don't know, you just don't know. Right. Um, but really, I loved how you said around, you know, a lot of the time we're using or doctors are prescribing contraceptive, like hormonal contraception and birth control options for just finding relief from cycle yeah. signs. What are the most common cycle signs that I call them cycle signs, by the way, some people call them, PMS, I like but I like, <laughs> I call them cycle signs because I don't like the whole syndrome thing. And they're just signs. They're just messages from your body. I love it. But with um, thanks. With um, for those who experience cycle signs, what are the most common cycle signs that are then go? Okay, well, the birth control is a good option for you as a relief. Well, in my opinion, I would never say <laughs> that birth control is a good option. Well, you you have to distinguish too between, okay, is your priority simply relieving? these cycle signs for you, or maybe I should have reframed the question for you. No, that's okay. No, it's a good question. <laughs> I was, I was more so like asking around, well, what do doctors commonly prescribe for these cycle signs? Cause I don't necessarily think that, you know, having chronic endometriosis and just being put on the contraceptive pill is always the best option. There's so many other things you can also do. If you do choose to go on the contraceptive pill for whatever reason, there's so many other things you can do, but what are the most common cycle signs that doctors would then prescribe for? Yeah. So, what I was asking. Yeah, no, that's okay. Um, I would say, especially what I see, at least in my practice with my clients, um, cramping or really heavy bleeding is very, very common. And that's, th those are two I love how you say cycle signs. I'm going to say that now because it sounds so much, a little bit more pleasant. Um, but there, they are cycle signs that are very painful and that they are, I would say some of the most obvious that women do experience. So the cramping and the heavy bleeding, um, irregular periods, this is one of the most common, um, symptoms that clients come to me saying, I I've just, whether their periods are, you know, two weeks long or their periods only come once every two months or whatever that looks like for them. If they're not on a regular cycle, that is one of the first things that their doctor recommends, um, to get on birth control, to quote unquote, regulate your cycle when that is the farthest thing from the truth. And that is probably the, my biggest, doesn't do any of that. <laughs> I'm like, that is so ass backwards because it's literally just shutting down all of your natural hormones. It's not regulating anything. So then these women are, you know, on birth control for five, 10, 15 plus years thinking that, oh, my, my cycles, you know, regulating, I'm getting a quote unquote period every month. And then they come off and they're dealt with, I mean, they're facing the same problem that they did prior to going on birth control, if not worse, because all of that has been suppressed for so many years at a time. Um, so that is one I would say that's so, so common for, for women to go on birth control. Acne is another really common mm. cycle sign, even if it's not cyclical, but if women are just struggling with acne in general, um, that is 
seeming to be one of the first recommendations to go on birth control to, to suppress that. Um, so I would say those are, those are a few of my top, um, beyond like PCOS and endo as well. Those are, those are often prescribed to relieve those symptoms as well too. And I want to acknowledge I've, I've never had personally PCOS or endometriosis and especially with endo, it can be extremely painful. And if your priority is, you know, to relieve that pain, I am all behind it. And if that's, you know, that's your priority, it's your body, you have to do whatever works for you in that moment. But I think it's just about educating women that there are, like you said, so many different ways to approach endo from a root cause approach and just supporting your body with the right nutrients and anti-inflammatories and, and different, you know, relieving different stressors in your body, whether those are external or internal and, and just giving them the tools and the resources. So they don't feel like birth control is the only option to manage those symptoms. Um, I think is important. Mm, I think it's so important. Thank you for speaking to that, especially those who have, who have a chronic imbalance. And, you know, when I use the word chronic, I mean something that's debilitating. And um, when we look at debilitating cycle imbalances, there's a lot that goes into that. And it's not even just physical, like in my, my work line, I would look at, you know, the energetics and the emotional and the spiritual and as well as the nutritional and the physical, like there's a lot of different aspects that go into chronic imbalances. And I think that what doctors often do is they just do what's within their scope. And that is really just diagnose, treat, heal, or cure, you know, and right. that's what they just do that through their own scope of practice. And there's nothing wrong. They only know what they know. Right. Um, but I love that you, that you mentioned that and it kind of leads us into the conversation of like, well, what imbalances can birth control lead to in the body? And just a thought that's just popped into my mind as, as I'm asking that question is if you're listening to this, and I'm sure you'd agree too, Kelsey, that sometimes hormonal forms of birth control are absolutely necessary and needed. And there are some people in the, you know, um, I guess the demographic of menstruators who have a disability or are quadriplegics or paraplegics, um, and they find it very, very supportive using a hormonal form of birth control to support what else they're going through in their life. And so I think that birth control can serve a purpose, but for majority of menstruators, it doesn't serve the purpose that we're thinking it serves. <laughs> yes. No, you said it perfectly. Um, yeah, okay. I couldn't have said that better. Um, well, thank you. So anyway, that was a little, like little rant before we segue into like, so tell us what <laughs> imbalances can birth control cause in the body and what imbalances would doctors most commonly not tell you about? Oh, I would have to say they don't tell you about any of them uh, unless you have a great doctor. But I just know when I am working with clients and we're talking through some of these imbalances, sometimes they'll go back to their doctor and be like, hey, I just want to have this conversation. Can, you know, my sudden IBS, um, you know, condition be somehow related to birth control? And it's automatically a very sharp no, like absolutely not. Birth control has nothing to do with that. Um, and they kind of make, you know, the, their patient, my client feel crazy for asking those types of questions. So it's very, very rare that I do have a client that has a doctor that will acknowledge that some of these imbalances are caused, but there are, there are some great doctors out there that will. So I won't say that all of them do not, but as far as the different imbalances that it causes, this is always such a loaded question, but overarching. I mean, we have to think about the body as a whole, everything inside of our body, all the organs and organ systems, they all work very synergistically together. So it's impossible for me to believe that when we are suppressing an extremely natural hormonal process in the body, like ovulation, this isn't going to also affect and have a cascade on other areas of the body as well. So I think that's important for people to to acknowledge too, because I think many, um, women, when being prescribed with birth control, they go in just thinking, okay, this is just going to, it's just going to affect my hormones. It's going to fix whatever quote unquote needs to be fixed. And, and that's all, but there are, there is a cascade effect when it comes to, um, just our symptom load. So a few of them that I work through with my clients and in my course, I kind of consider them the pillars, um, when focusing on supporting your body with, um, 
while being on birth control or transitioning off digestion is the first. So again, we, you brought this up in the beginning, gut health is so, so imperative for our overall health. And unfortunately birth control, um, the pill specifically is, has been known to alter that gut microbiome. So the bacteria in there, um, a lot of that good bacteria is depleted, allowing that opportunistic bacteria to, to overgrow, which as we know, I mean, that could be a whole pot cast episode in and of itself. Shall we <laughs> do this again in the future? <laughs> yeah. So we'll schedule a podcast number two, um, for that. Um, and then also with the gut lining. So I think a lot more people are becoming more familiar with the term or the phrase leaky gut, but birth control has been also known to permeate that gut lining that surrounds our microbiome and leaky gut truly is in my perspective, one of the most common underlying factors behind so many different conditions, whether they be autoimmune conditions, acne, um, anxiety, depression. I mean, it, the list truly does go on and on. So as far as digestion goes, those are a couple of really big pillars that I like to hit. Um, just inflammation in general that birth control causes. So especially if you are taking a birth control that contains estrogen, excess estrogen is a extremely inflammatory to our body. So you are constantly being exposed to that estrogen, which is leading to the elevated inflammation. Um, and that, as we know, can increase our cortisol, um, which is our stress hormone in our body, which can affect everything from our blood sugar to our sleep, to our energy, to our mood, to again, like those autoimmune conditions. And there's so much that, that plays into just inflammation in general from birth control. Um, the liver is a huge, huge area that birth control affects. So our liver is the most underrated, unsexy organ that I love so much because it does so much for our body. I think it has over 500 different functions that it is working through on a daily basis. And it's, it's a big organ that helps kind of quote unquote filter through and detox, you know, a lot of the toxins and chemicals and compounds that we are exposed to on a, on a day-to-day basis. And then when you add on synthetic hormones, or even, um, if you have the copper IUD, that copper, that heavy metal exposure, that is just adding on another just slew of just work for, for the liver. So it's, it's very common for the liver then to become congested in a sense. So that bile in there that we want to be healthy and free flowing really just becomes kind of blocked up. So then that can obviously lead to detox issues where women are storing that estrogen, which can then lead to more of those, you know, painful cycle signs, as far as the breast tenderness and, you know, long periods when they come off or the heavy bleeding, you know, clotting in their blood, different things like that. So the liver is really important. Um, and it's, it's one of the main areas that I do focus on because we have to make sure even just taking birth control out of the picture, we're just exposed to so much crap. These things in our food and our air and our water, um, that our liver's really overworked at baseline. So adding that birth control on top of it can, can really just kind of put it overboard. So, um, and kind of tying into the liver conversation, sorry, I'm just kind of flowing through all these imbalances, I but am loving it. keep going. <laughs> so tell me when to stop or slow down. Um, I'm still here. I'm still okay. here. While, whilst we're having a little, while, whilst there's a little segue, I just have to say, when you talk about the liver and I'll come back to share about my own leaky gut experience, but oh, yes, please do. with, um, with the liver, just quickly, what you mentioned about the blood clots, when I personally, I've experienced a couple of clots in my lifetime. It's not uncommon for someone to not experience clots ever, but I think occasionally, you know, I've probably had maybe three, like probably decent sized clots, you know, maybe quarter sized clots. Um, of, hang on quarter coin sized clots in Australia. That's like a mm-hmm. 10 cent piece. Um, <laughs> that's, and I always see that as energetic detoxing. Like my liver is getting rid of so much shit from my body. And I have quite a I would like to say I've got quite a clean body, quite a clean lifestyle, but I can't escape when I go to fill up my car with gas. I can't like not breathe in the shit in the air. Like I just (laughs) can't not do that. So like there's certain things that are out of my control. Oh, yeah. 
um, until I get an electric car, but out of my control, <laughs> I always see that clots, if they just occur occasionally, like every once in a random, you know, blue moon, you could say like every second year or whatnot, it's just one. I really see that as an energetic and um, detox and a physical detox with support from the liver because that's your body's one other way of releasing stuff and moving things out of your body. And so maybe your liver contributes to those clots to help detox. Yeah, that's anyway, actually- that's a little- that's a little side sidebar, but back to you. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. I love that perspective and just more of kind of that energetic outlook. I think that's really important to take note of. And, and for all of these symptoms too, and just your cycle signs, I love to refer to them just as, you know, your monthly report card. So if you do experience the clots or you do have cramps one month, like it's okay. We're all going to I mean, our bodies are constantly ebbing and flowing. So there's going to, it's not going to be perfect all the time. Um, but just taking note of those things and kind of assessing which areas you can work a little bit harder on, whether that is detox or maybe cleaning up food or tapering back on alcohol or whatever it is that next month. So I always find it interesting and, you know, none of us like to receive those painful cycle signs. But if we see them, it's like, okay, there's a little biomarker that we can move forward with and improve from, um, just kind of take note of our body constantly. So I love that you brought that up. Mm, thank you. So back to you though, okay. um, the, pill, the pillars of birth control support, um, you've got digestion, we've got inflammation and we've got the liver. So yep. is there any other pillars that go towards the pillars? <laughs> Yeah. So, well, I kind of already touched blood sugar is a big pillar that I do focus on a lot with clients, but that I tied that into a little bit with inflammation, but really, I mean, overall, we want to avoid producing cortisol in excess amounts as much as we can. So regulating blood sugar is a wonderful way to do that. Um, and it's just, it's one of those things that I believe is absolutely imperative whenever you are trying to achieve any type of hormone balance. Um, to, to stabilize the body and just make your body, your body feel safe uh, on a foundational level. So blood sugar is one. And then tying into the liver too is just thyroid health as well. So I know symptom wise, this is very common for my clients and just women to report that they have gained weight while on birth control, or even when they transition off and and they always say, they're like, I haven't changed anything. I'm eating the same. I'm working out the same, like and nothing like, but really. Haven't you? <laughs> I'm like, really? are you though? <laughs> no, but there, but there's truth to that. And I do believe them because there's, so there's certain ways that birth control as well can affect negatively affect our metabolism. And a lot of times we do just when we think or hear the word metabolism, we solely think about it in a weight sense, but our metabolism really goes far beyond just our weight. So our thyroid is this master energy gland that controls our metabolism body wide. So that's as far as our digestive metabolism and just our hormone metabolism and so many other things. Um, but I'm going on a tangent here, coming back to the liver. So the liver is where our, or one of the places where inactive thyroid hormones get converted to their active form. So if we take a step back and remember just how much of a burden that birth control places on the liver and how that causes some dysfunction there, then if those conversions aren't able to happen, women are left with, um, much less active thyroid hormone for optimal metabolism. So that on top of, um, again, the pill specifically has been known to increase, um, sex hormone binding globulins, or just essentially just like proteins in the body that latch on to hormones. So including our thyroid, so they latch onto them, they make them unusable by our body. So again, we are left with a depleted state of those active thyroid hormones as well. So over time, I mean, it, and this is why I don't necessarily get surprised because if women are, you know, on birth control for maybe it's five years and then all of a sudden they just feel like their metabolism is totally hit a plateau. They're like, I've gained 15 pounds. What is going on? Um, obviously there's other facets to look at as far as just lifestyle stressors and, and different things. But I do often have this conversation and bring this to light just because I don't want them to feel crazy. Like there are very much physiological changes that are happening in the body that eventually it's going to come to the surface. So those are just some different ways that, um, I guess overall birth control can affect our bodies. And then 
The classic, which I think is becoming a little bit more well-known is just the fact that it does deplete us of a lot of nutrients that are imperative for so many just bodily functions. And for us to be living in an optimal state, um, birth control is constantly working against those nutrient stores. So it's very common if you're not actively working to replenish them, um, that you are kind of just living in a, in a depleted state in that sense as well, which can directly impact everything from your thyroid to your gut health to again, your, your mental health and, and so many other different areas. I'm interrupting this episode to let you know that today is sponsored by my brand new signature membership program, the Well Woman Academy. Would you love to discover your own menstrual cycle, understand ovulation, master menstruation and live cyclically? Well, your menstrual cycle membership is here. The Well Woman Academy is a monthly membership where together we study menstrual cycles, cycle tracking, cycle rituals, contraception, the feminine, eating and moving through your cycle. Yep, it's the number one place to discover how to end cycle signs and PMS for good. For less than $2 a day each month, you'll access over 150 live self-paced educational classes and cyclical specific learning modules across a wide range of formats, including written, audio, video, and guided home study. Not to mention every membership gives back with the menstrual cups to menstruators in need thanks to our commitment with the COVA project. Join me and women from all over the world inside our private Facebook community and online learning portal as we awaken your cycle, reconnect your body and guide you to live in cyclical harmony. Learn more and join us at www.wellsome.com forward slash academy. And everything is linked together. Yes. And that is the full circle. Um, and we're finally home. Yeah. I'd call that like the boomerang effect in Australia. We're like, what comes around goes around. So with, um, with everything you just mentioned with the pillars, I think one of the biggest things or the biggest takeaways for everyone listening, if you're like, holy moly, this is so much stuff, is just acknowledging that the digestive system, your lymphatic system, you know, your liver, your blood sugar, your thyroid, your overall endocrine system is also connected to your nervous system, to your circulatory system. Your systems are also uniquely connected that the birth control, whatever form of birth control you're on, it doesn't just affect your ovaries and your uterus. It affects so much other aspects to your health and your body, not just those isolated things. And I think for me, when I was on the birth control, you know, very uneducated back in God, I would have been on the birth control in like 2000 and what was it? Two. So long time. I've got shit 20 years ago. Um, <laughs> holy moly. Am I really like so old? long ago when you say it out loud? I know, right? 2002. That feels like, hang on. R&B was still cool back then. Like <laughs> what is, what, what is changing anyway? Um, but back then, you know, there was no conversations about the systems and it was just very isolated and I just had no idea and I think today we're so fortunate with all the information education that we do have that we can now have an awareness that everything is connected and I always think Kelsey of the song like you know your knee bone's connected to the thigh bone and thigh bone's connected to the hip <laughs> bone it's like everything is connected and you can't ever expect that oh hang on so my liver doing this random thing right now is just because of the liver or my thyroid is being a little bit imbalanced or something's going on there. And is that just because of my thyroid? There's so many other things. And that um, I have a question for you, but before we get there, <laughs> I wanted to mention about my leaky gut and what you were talking about with gut health Yes. and how leaky gut is kind of like um, a blanket term for lots of other things that are going on that could be leading to great, you know, autoimmune imbalances. So for me, I was diagnosed with leaky gut back in 2012, 10 years ago. Holy moly. Anyway, so a long time ago. And back then, no one knew what leaky gut was. Like I just kept persisting with imbalance in my gut health. And I've, you know, I grew up in a family with celiac disease and I have the gene. And so for me, I'm, you know, I'm very I'm sensitive in my gut. Also a negative blood type, which is naturally more sensitive with digestion. Oh, interesting. <laughs> so, I didn't know that. Oh, really? Yeah. No, um, oh. A negatives are just, whereas I know positive is like, you are a born meat eater, mate. And my partner is an O positive and I'm an A negative. And I was like, we are just doomed together. Um, <laughs> anyway, anyway, <laughs> anyway, but with leaky gut, yeah. I'll love you, babe. But mm -hmm. um, with leaky gut, 
I was still on the birth control pill when I had, when I had leaky gut and a lot of my lifestyle factors, factors were contributing to that very high stress, um, you know, consult, consulting full-time, running a photography business full-time. And, you know, I was very imbalanced. I had a lot of stress, but my lifestyle habits were quite healthy. And so that threw me onto like a really big, um, I guess, nutritional change. Um, I was already very plant-based anyway, but I really went anal. Like I went anal, next level anal. Mm-hmm. And my last step for clearing leaky gut, like I was already really healthy and I felt like my body was back into natural alignment. I didn't have any leaky gut symptoms or signs with the birth control pill. And I was like, oh my God, this is the last thing. And I've told the story a few times on the podcast about how I found out about why I wanted to go off the pill, but I just went cold turkey, kind of like ripping off the duct tape off, you know, when I'm, you know, off my body or whatever it is. Yep. And I, um, I, my body just went, what the fuck are you doing to us? Like, and I literally felt like I had like a matrix alien inside my body and someone had planted this thing through my belly button. And I was just like, there is something inside me and it needs to come out. And I just don't know because I didn't know what my endocrine system was doing and it wasn't actually functioning, but it was trying to function. Right. But fast forward to like the last couple of years, I've really been reflecting on potentially I got leaky gut because I was on the hormonal contraception for so long, along with other lifestyle factors. It's not just a one reason for one thing, but I think that my gut health back then was a big reflection of consistent use of hormonal contraception and just other lifestyle factors. And it just goes to show that your digestive health is so important. Even if you're trying to conceive and you're not on hormonal contraception at all, trying to conceive, knowing your digestive health and understanding your gut health is so vitally important for you. Um, Anyway, so that's my rant. (laughs) No, I love it. I think that's such a relatable story too, for so many people. Um, Even again, taking birth control out of the picture, but just being in tune with your digestive system, um, I think is so important. And then, like you said, like even just a couple of years back, you're or the past few years, you've been reflecting and you're like, maybe, maybe it was birth control that was part of it. And again, it's, it's never isolated, um, when it comes to certain symptoms, like there are always, at least in my belief, there are always many different factors that can come into play when it comes to that. But I think it can be ignorant for, um, medical professionals and these doctors prescribing birth control to completely ignore the fact that yes, this absolutely can be contributing to leaky gut. We're not going to dismiss the fact that, you know, this inflammation that it's causing and, and all of those different, you know, internal, internal things going on aren't, aren't leading to that. So I'm so glad that you shared that because I think I've, I mean, I have so many clients that have very similar stories to that. So I'm sure so many listeners can relate to that as well. Mm. And thank you. And if you're bloated and your gut and your shit feels out of balance, like well, you know, when you have a good shit and you know, when your shit's not good, like, you know, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and you know. Um, listen to that. Like I always say that, you know, they're the little door knocks of your body, like to your home. Okay. Like, Hey, is anyone on home here I'm trying to show you that the sprinkler system's been on for 15 (laughs) minutes you know or it's been running for five days we need to look at this um you know so listen to your body I think is the biggest one um now moving on question that kind of links to me saying I went cold turkey on coming off the contraceptive pill when is a good idea to come off hormonal contraception so if someone's listening to this and like okay this is the message. Like, okay, I've heard this a few times now and I'm finally listening and I really would love to explore coming off hormonal contraception. What's the plan? When's a good time for someone to stop taking hormonal contraception? Yeah. So this control? is a great question. I get this question all the time. And I think, I mean, ultimately it's up to, up to the woman, right? If you are just at that tipping point where you are like, I need to get off, whether it's, you know, whatever symptom is kind of driving that by all means, <laughs> come off when you need to. But my recommendation is always to try to support your body for at least two to three months is kind of that sweet spot or that minimum that I do recommend for my clients or the students that are going through my birth control course. Um, Once they're able to start to address again, the digestion and we're supporting your microbiome and we're starting to heal up your gut lining a little bit and we're regulating blood sugar and we're helping 
open up detox pathways and, and really just implementing that support as much as you can for about two to three months. Then I kind of give, give the green light, um, again, pending if their timeline allows it, but I think that's a good minimum to kind of go by to really ensure that, because like you said, when you came off, you were just like, shit was hitting the fan. And this is, I mean, it's expected that that's going to happen. If you think about it, you, your body has been suppressing such a normal process for so long. As soon as you come off, it's like, okay, what is going on? And things are just going to be very, very unstable for most people. Um, so I do recommend kind of that two to three month sweet spot. If you're able to implement support within that time frame. And I find that with my clients, their transition is so much smoother. And then they're also able to, you know, get their period back much quicker because those foundations are being supported in a sense. Well, although if you're still on birth control, obviously it's kind of like filling up a bucket that has holes in the bottom, but still you're, you're trying to, trying to even that out a little bit. Um, and it does, it definitely does help with that transition to make it a little bit smoother. So that's, that's usually what I recommend. But at the end of the day, if you need to come off and it's just kind of your final straw, I would just caution and expect that, that things might be a little bit more rocky for a while. Mm. Um, I was really rocky. (laughs) (laughs) Like, yes, I can attest to that. Yeah. Like I, when I, and I'm good friends with my partner who I was with at the time, uh, we're no longer together, but good friends. And he's like, oh yeah, I remember those days. <laughs> I like, the post-birth control phase. <laughs> oh yes. Yes. The po- yes. The time, that era of my life. But I think yeah. that um, two to three months sweet spot is a beautiful overview because that also gives you plenty of time to prepare. And like, I'm not sure what's in your programs, but to prepare nutritionally, make sure that you're, you know, really giving yourself good amounts of extra minerals that you need, making sure you've got plenty of zinc, all those bits and pieces that we need to feel fully supported after being depleted for so long. And I was having a little chuckle to myself, Kelsey, when you were talking about how, you know, your body just goes a little bit AWOL and things can't find their way. And the visual that I got is, you know, like my hypothalamus, oh my God, tongue twister, hypothalamus, protrude and pineal gland yelling out ovaries, are you out there? I can't find you ovaries, you know, because when I came off the contraceptive pill, the way that I I visualize that now is that the cord and the communication pathway between these very important and integral glands in our brain that connect and discuss and communicate and create with the ovaries, they just could not find each other. It's like being lost hiking with your friends and someone's on a different track and the other one you're yelling across from mountain to mountain. You're like, I can't find you. Yes. It takes time to like rebuild that. Like, okay, guys, let's just work as a team and let's come back together. And that takes time. And I love that you mentioned about the sweet spot before coming off hormonal birth control, because I think that you can do lots so much to prepare yourself for reigniting that communication and it can take time, but the more prepared you are, the shorter the time potentially. And I think for women um, that could contribute to what you've been uh, mentioning that you can do is to track your cycle already. Even if you don't have a natural menstrual cycle, you can still track your cycle. Like my Love Your Cycle Guide actually guides you on how to do that, even if you're not menstruating and you're on hormonal contraception, because that helps you get in that cyclical nature in support with all of the nutritional factors, cleaning your body out, detoxing, good liver support. So it's a whole round system and um, preparation is key. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I'm glad you brought up too, just tracking your cycle. And I love that you have a resource for that, because I think that's a huge piece of why women are so hesitant oftentimes to come off of birth control because they're so scared one, because they haven't had a cycle for so long. So they're like, I don't even know what to expect one, what's, you know, what's going to come back once I'm off of birth control, but two, if they're, they're still wanting to prevent pregnancy, I think there's that huge, just it feels like a massive barrier there. Like I, without birth control, I don't know what to lean on. So like you said, I think just gaining even just the education and starting to learn more about fertility awareness method, or simply just tracking your cycle and, um, 
whether or not you choose to actually implement some of those um, tactics until you come off or not is up to you. But I do feel like it just, it makes such a, again, smoother transition, even mentally in that space to, to feel confident, to know, know your biomarkers and know what signs to look out for when, you know, your cervical mucus production is coming back and, and, you know, those, those different ovulatory markers, for example. So you're like, Oh, that's what it is. I know exactly what that is. And I can log that into, you know, my app or whatever you're using to track and just feel so much more empowered and confident, um, when you do come off. Mm, I love all of that. Thank you for speaking to it, because I think another time that that's also really important is postpartum, you know, re getting yes. to know your period. Cause you're kind of going through like the way I describe it is like another mini menarche after going from your endocrine system, growing a whole new organ, which you're doing right now. And then you're going to birth the organ and you don't die. Wow. That's a power. That's a real superpower. But um, <laughs> what happens is that I feel a lot of the time when people come off hormonal contraception or they've fallen pregnant and then they've had their baby, they're like, Oh my God, I don't, I don't want to conceive. And is it possible to not conceive or do I have to go back on hormonal contraception or what is the choice? Like, what is the option? There are so many options. And I always suggest Kelsey, if you're listening to this and you're in that talk to a fertility coach, not because you're wanting to have a baby, but to learn about your body so that when you gain that education, that will serve you every cycle transition you ever go through for the rest of your cyclical life. Right. right through to postmenopause. And it might take you three sessions to invest financially and time-wise and emotionally and energetically, but that will serve you forever. And I think it's one of the, the things before I had my unplanned pregnancy in 2020, it's one of the things I wish I had have learned so much earlier after coming off hormonal contraception. Like I wish I had have learned it. It would have saved me <laughs> so much time of being like, holy shit why is my period not here and where mm-hmm. could my period be? And should I send out a search party? Should I call the SES? Like, <laughs> Who do I need to call? Exactly. Um, so yeah, all these things are so supportive and don't feel hesitant in reaching out to, to work with a fertility coach to learn about your own fertility signs and fertility signs are just a healthy ovulation. So um, enough on that rant. Yeah. Final podcast question that I have for you. <laughs> Cause we are pretty much out of time and I could just keep chatting with you. Cause oh I my gosh, I can't believe it's almost over. <laughs> I know. How? Stop. Why? Why? Um, is when it comes to birth control and coming off the hormonal birth control, whatever form that is for you, what are the top say five tips you would give to someone who's about to embark on that journey that they could start doing straight away? Oh, yes. This is a good question. Five. Okay. Um, Like, but I've got 25. Right. (laughs) Like, do we have a little bit more time? Um, No, it's good to condense too, because I I never want it to feel overwhelming when I was talking through kind of the imbalances that it does cause. Cause I do, I mean, I totally acknowledge that people might walk away from this episode being like, holy shit, I have so much to do, like, you know, and get into that whirlwind. But to bring things back as simple as possible, always, always try to prioritize to eat just as many whole foods as you can. So try to really, I mean, all of your staples are they packaged foods? Do they have labels? If so, can you get away from that and eating foods in their whole form? Those are going to give you the most nutrients that are bioavailable that your body knows exactly how to use and assimilate and, you know, use for everything to counter kind of those imbalances that birth control can cause. So eating real whole foods as much as you can, that is a huge, huge piece, um, for the gut health. So trying to incorporate when it comes to that microbiome and that good bacteria, trying to incorporate, whether it's a high quality probiotic supplement or just probiotic rich foods daily to make sure that you are replenishing that good bacteria prior to coming off is something that I would definitely recommend, um, I'm trying to prioritize here and count ahead of myself in my She's head. Got 25. <laughs> I have she my fingers three. up. I have my five <laughs> fingers up right now. Um, liver has to be one of them. So my biggest kind of tips for liver that are 
fairly easy to implement. Um, dandelion root tea or milk thistle can be wonderful ways to um, just help kind of thin out that bile in the liver. So you're supporting that detox pathway. So if you're able to incorporate those teas in on a daily basis, every other day type of thing can be wonderful. Um, foods like beets can be great for liver support. Again, kind of thinning out that bile. Um, doing castor oil packs can be another wonderful, wonderful way to support, um, just opening up those detox pathways as well. I will caution though, with, if you do have an IUD, sometimes you just want to be careful that you're not placing the castor oil pack over your uterus more so up mm -hmm. on that upper right, <laughs> upper right under your rib where your liver sits. Um, so that is just one kind of disclaimer for that, but those are all just, just, just on that with castor oil packs, yeah. castor oil packs have been used in Ayurvedic medicine for thousands of years and yes. castor oil packs are not just used for menstruation. So they can be used on the liver. They can be used on your kidneys. They can be used for muscular pain. When I had the Rona, I used my castor oil pack to help cleanse and cleanse my, my lungs out. So there's lots of different purposes. So a lot of people um, you know, myself being trained in Ayurveda, I'm aware of all these things, but you know, for most people, they just, when they hear of castor oil now and a castor oil pack, they think of just doing that for pre-menstruation, but mm -hmm. like you're having an IUD, a copper IUD, especially that's not a good thing to do. So everything in moderation specific to you, sorry, I cut you off. Yeah. Keep going. No, no, no. no I'm glad you clarified that because, and that's interesting <laughs> that it used, you used it for, or when you had, uh, the Rona that I should have thought of that when I had it too, but yeah, you can use it for so much, um, which is wonderful. So yeah, just kind of look out for, for those different things that might make you not an optimal person to, to use that on a certain organ or whatnot. Um, but let's see. Um, so replenishing nutrients. So beyond just getting back to whole foods that are properly sourced, um, and whatnot, I do typically recommend, uh, whether it's a beef liver supplement or incorporating organ meats as much as you can, those are by far going to give you the most nutrient dense food, I suppose, or just like easiest source of that to really make sure that you are replenishing a lot of those vitamins and minerals that are being depleted. So I typically recommend, um, most of my clients incorporate some type of organ meat or supplement at least, I don't know, like four or five days out of the week, if not every day, um, just to, to replenish those stores. So that's one area. Gosh, is that, was that four? I'm trying to think where I'm at here. I'm pretty sure that's four. That's four. Sure okay. That's four. Let's see. Yeah, what would be my got, last we, you one? Had, you had liver dandelion root team, um, for number three. And then you had, like you mentioned the, the um, organ meats. Okay. And then I would say balancing blood sugar would be my last recommendation just across the board. So for that, again, we really just are trying to reduce as much inflammation and bring cortisol levels down and kind of regulate that in the body. So my top tips for regulating blood sugar, um, especially for women, but trying to one eat within an hour of waking up. So your body is fasting overnight. Not that we're intentionally, intentionally not eating or sleeping. We're doing other things. So it's really helpful to replenish some of those nutrient stores within that hour time frame to bring your blood sugar back up. Um, eating every three to four ish hours throughout the day can be really helpful as well. And just always making sure that you, if you're having any type of carb, even if it's a natural carb or sugar source, like fruits or fruit juices, um, always try to pair that with a high quality protein or fat to just slow that absorption of sugar into the bloodstream. Um, those can be extremely, extremely helpful tips. And for those of you that love coffee in the morning, I would highly recommend always having some type of snack or meal that has some protein or fat prior to your first sip. Because if the first thing that you're putting into your body in the morning is caffeine and a stimulant that is drastically going to just spike your blood sugar. And it's really just going to start you off on the wrong foot for the rest of the day. And it can kind of be hard to get off of that roller coaster, unfortunately. And I have lived through that myself. And I feel like that is, that's one tip that I I get so many messages on Instagram that are like, I started to eat before drinking coffee and it has changed my life. And I'm like, yes, it's just, it's a very simple thing to, to add in, but it does make such a huge difference in the overall 
blood sugar and just again, reducing cortisol and inflammation in the body, which is our main goal. So those Mm. are, those are my five tips. I think if I were to condense them, if you are thinking of coming off or if you're, even if you're on birth control right now, I think those would be great. Fantastic. I thank you. You say 105. Okay, let's get going. Um, so, so thank you so much. They're beautiful. And I think they're so simple that people can actually action them out. So just pick one, focus on that for like one week and then implement another one for the following week and so on and so on. And then, you know, after five weeks, you've got five new different habits that support you. So thank you so much for sharing Kelsey and being here for this episode. Before we wrap up, I have one final podcast question, but I need to ask you, how can people connect with you? Because I'm sure there's some people here going, oh my God, I need to learn about Kelsey's like coming off the pill kind of birth control course. And what's the best way for them to connect with you? Yeah. um, So I am most active definitely on my Instagram. So buns and balance is my Instagram handle. And then the name. It, my, my husband coined that he's called me buns since we started dating and it just kind of turned into, turned into my, my handle, but thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm like, okay, now we're here. Um, so Instagram is the most active platform that I would say I share just kind of free informational stuff. Um, and then my website is bunsandbalance.com. So there you can find information about one-on-one services or my birth control bounce back course. So that course I offer every quarter. Um, and it's a self-paced course with some different, we do like live videos and different things that students can, can join in on, but I really walk you through every aspect of these different imbalances that birth control can cause. And I have several different protocols that you can follow to kind of help take that just feeling of, of overwhelm out of, out of things. So, you know, exactly kind of which steps to implement next, um, to get you to a place where you are feeling, feeling good and balanced and supported and heard when it comes to all of your symptoms. So that is my, my baby of a course that I love so much. So that one is on there. I also have a PMS crash course that talks through just more. So those top, um, PMS symptoms that women struggle with and how to address those imbalances from, from the root cause. And we didn't talk too much about PMS in general or those cycle signs, but every, every symptom has an underlying reason why it's there. So it's just about getting to that root cause and addressing it. Um, and yeah, just doing everything you can to kind of educate yourself in those areas. So those are my, those are my connections and ways to, to get in touch. Fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing. We'll pop all of those links in the show notes so people can come and directly find you. Um, make sure you do go and check out Kelsey over on Instagram at Buns in Balance. Now, final podcast question. I ask everybody this and we're switching gears a little bit. So heads up. I want you to think back to your first experience of menstruation, Kelsey, your younger menstruating self. What are three things you wish you had have known then when you started menstruating that you now know today? Oh gosh, this is so timely because just today I talked to a group of high school female athletes and we're talking through all of these things that I wish I would have known, um, as a young menstruator. So prepped yourself with that, knowing that you needed to prep yourself. I love it. Right. (laughs) Yes. Um, I would say, I mean, I, I clearly remember just reading the back of a tampon box, trying to understand how to even use a tampon or what it was. And that was a little traumatic. So just understanding how to do that would have been helpful. Um, I think just knowing again, that every symptom, there's a reason for it. And there are ways that we can naturally support them. I struggled really bad with cramps growing up. Um, and I was an athlete, so I was constantly kind of pushing that, pushing that token a little bit too far and just, um, yeah. So I would say knowing that there's ways to support the cramps and to work out with your cycle and do all of those things would have been helpful. And two, just with birth control. I mean, I think just knowing that there, there are more options out there than simply birth control, um, would have been helpful to know as, as a young Kelsey. Beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing as a young Gemma. I also wish I had known anyway, those experiences lead us to where we are. So thank you so much for sharing. 
You're welcome. Being here and chatting all things birth control and giving us so much information and education. Um, it's been absolutely a pleasure having you on the show and I'm so grateful for you dedicating your time. So thank you so much for being here. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's, it's always so fun to have these conversations. Like you said, I feel like we could just talk for hours about this stuff, which, which is always refreshing to have those conversations. <laughs> thank you so much for tuning into every episode of the Well Woman podcast. For everything we mentioned in today's episode, you can find this in the show notes over at wellsome.com forward slash podcast. If this episode excited you, please hit follow on Spotify, which means all of my episodes will pop up in your feed weekly. So you never miss a weekly drop. I'd love you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts too. Love this episode? Come and follow me over on Instagram at wellsome underscore Gemily. Say hi and share what you've taken away from this episode with me. Now, is there a bestie, sister, or a friend who you know who might be fed up, frustrated, and confused with their cycles? Are they ready to join you in awakening their cyclical essence too? Well, take a screenshot of this podcast episode, share it on your socials, email it, text it, or any way you need to get it to them. So together, we can all live in flow, harmony, and balance with our cycles. Now, until next time, beautiful, get connected, listen to your body, and remember, body confidence all begins with living in tune with your menstrual cycle.